message in just a moment. Everybody needs peace. I believe that's a fair statement that in the human condition every man and woman and the earth is looking for some kind of inner peace. Christianity offers a peace that the world cannot give. You can get a level of peace through Meditation, you can get a level of peace through working out, setting boundaries, mental health, thinking on the right things. You can get a level of peace by having favorable circumstances, creating a lifestyle that's healthy, soul care, for sure. But the peace that we offer is a very particular kind of peace. It's a peace, we'll see in a moment, that passes understanding There is not a cause and effect like there is with a physical medicine. It's a supernatural peace that's supernatural in origin. It's a perfect peace, the Bible says. It's a peace that allows Jesus to sleep in the stern of the boat while it's sinking. It's a peace that allows the Apostle Peter to sleep in a prison the night before his execution. It's not a peace that is affected by circumstance. It's not a peace that can be generated by your own works righteousness. It's a gift. It's not a peace that you can just claim it one day and get it. It's a lifelong pursuit with lifelong fulfillment. Here's my problem. I know lots and lots of Christians. I mean, I know a lot more Christians than non-Christians. Only a handful have the peace I'm going to talk about today. Many Christians suffer privately with a lack of peace, but they project peace to play the God talk game. I'm not into God talk. You know, I'm the other guy, not long ago, this person asked us to pray for them. And uh, so a small group of us are praying, and, and the guy said, before we pray, I want you to know I'm standing in faith for this, and God has said that, and, you know, and, and uh, he, he's, the, he's my healer, and he lists five or six scriptures, and I'm standing, and I'm believing, and, you know, like that. And the whole while, he's just emoting fear. But he felt obligated, because I'm the pastor, to God talk me. I just wanted to go, I wanted to go like Gomer Pyle. Zip it! Zip it! I would prefer that you would say, would you pray for me? I have a sickness, or I'm battling a sickness, and I'm a little worried about it. Be real with me, dude. I don't want that, because I have never seen that, what you're doing, work. Because the people that talk the big games are like people that sit on beach balls in a swimming pool. And they look like everything is under control until you push them a little bit, and that beach ball goes... Poing! 
coming up out of the water because they're just balancing everything. I can't let anybody know about it. And I, oh, come on, man, come on. That's not Christianity. You, you, you're, in a, you're in a big play and a drama and you're an actor. People act like they have peace and when I get to know them, they're not really at peace. Hypothetical question. If somebody, now, now don't be quick to answer this or, or I'm going to expel you from the church. <laughs> yeah, probably a little torture with that. Ostracizing, doxing, you'll certainly be doxed. If somebody could be you for 24 hours, would they want to be a Christian? Well, 8 o'clock, I had a fight with a wife. At 12 o'clock noon, I'm ticked off at the boss because I'm not getting paid enough. Evening, what was that that I had for supper? Ye gads. I go to home, I go to bed at night. I wake up in the middle of the night afraid that I'm never going to see my daughter again. Repeat cycle. Are they going to want that? And yet this is what we tell people. Do you want a peace in your life? Come to Jesus. Now, not the peace that I've experienced, not, or the joy that I've experienced. I'm going to, oh, let me, let me read it. Talked about the peace. There's a peace for you when your sins are for, does that work? Listen to me. You can only sell what you've bought. You can't sell stuff you ain't bought yourself. That's why most of us don't evangelize. We're not that excited about what we've bought. Let that sink in. Because if you really had a peace to pass understanding and a joy inexpressible and full of glory, I'd have to put a muzzle on you to keep you from evangelizing. Rather than having to drag it out of you like, I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. I just, well, testify on what you've got. But if you've got to testify on what you've got, you just got to make it up. Or you go back to your salvation experience 45 years ago. Well, let me tell you, I was so drunk, man. Melvin and I were hanging out and he was on weed and I'm on booze. <laughs> Melvin said, hey, you guys want some heroin? We go, no, Melvin. Uh, that's, that's humor. And so you tell the testimony of your, of your salvation. Well, has God done anything in the last 10 years? Has he done any? Sure, he's answered some prayers. But I mean, should not our best testimony... Listen, I've said this a thousand times. Be patient with me, Deep Creek. Shouldn't our best testimony be within the last six months? Why? You say, well, why should it be? Well, I've known God all this time. You would think, knowing him all this time, the best experiences are the latter wine is better than the former wine. Should I make this a two-part? I'm really at the peak here today. Maybe finish it next week and drag this out a little bit. All right. When I got saved, I experienced a great peace. I had indescribable angst that was replaced by the peace with God. It was existential. It was real. It changed my life. I had a joy, and, a, and I, there was no fake to it. I did more evangelizing in the first six months of my life than I've done since. I couldn't help it. Come on, 
If you're, if you're depressed and just hanging on and the sun comes out, you're pretty darn excited. And I got a lot, a lot of people got saved because they saw me on fire for God. Then, you, then, you, then some time passes and this initial peace that you had begins to ebb a little bit. If you don't refire that peace, it will just eventually fall away. Then I got confused as I got to know mature Christians. When I saw behind the scenes, I said, I don't want that. Behind the scenes, they're not nice people. Behind the I don't want to go on vacation with you. You're no fun. Give me a new Christian. We had a guest speaker at our church. Uh, he's one of the most well-known Christians in America. This is uh, uh, 40 years ago. I know that dates me. It was, it was a long time. I was a very young pastor. And he spoke at our church. We'd go out to dinner. First thing I noticed when we went out to dinner is he didn't pray for his food. I'm thinking to myself, I'm paying. You better be praying. I expect that from you, dude. You're, I look up to you. I got all your books, man. Well, after we ate, his wife took me to the side and said her husband had a, was diagnosed with cancer. And the doctor said there wasn't a, a cure for the cancer he had. And he was so shook up about this and so anxious about it that in the night, the wife told me this, that he paced in his living room of his little house. Well, big house, been big, he was rich, big house, and he actually walked a pathway, according to her, into the kitchen, into the living room rug. Now, to wear a path into a rug, there's a lot of nights you're pacing. And my mind just locked. Like, dude, I, I'm not going to project on your perfection. But that level of anxiety, what you're saying in the pulpit, dude, you're not living. You're talking it, but you're not walking it. And you can have some fears. I'm not, a, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. And he did die. And I never, I never heard if he ever overcame that. I just know that it stuck with me like this peace thing has to be real. It can't be a projection or a doctrine or an objective truth. You all follow me. I can't have faith that I'm having peace. That does not count. Your peace is the demonstration of your faith. So I don't be, you know, you're not at peace and you say, I just believe I'm at peace. What? You're crazy. That's just crazy talk. Get in the back. That, those words and those sentences are so, so counter. They are an oxymoron, but they're just more on oxy that I don't even want to talk to you. It's like, what? Are you at peace? I remember I was in the faith movement one time, and I was just being an owl. And my wife says, do you have a headache? And I go, no. And she said, is that the truth or is that a confession of faith? Then I realized I was into some quacky world. 
when there's a difference between the truth and a confession. You can't live in that weird world where you're confessing stuff that aren't like, I have peace, I have peace, I have peace, I have peace. After 10 years, you finally go, well, we're, come on. At some time, you're going to have to have the real deal because saying you've got it's not the same thing as having it. You're with me on that. Today's message, therefore, is entitled Existential Peace. Existential peace, not doctrinal peace. Existential, the word existential comes from the word exist. It's the idea of authenticity. It's a philosophical word that says that, uh, that this peace is not something like the, in scholasticism, there would be the, the doctrine of the peace of God that comes through the, through the propitiation of sin on the cross. That is true. But existentially speaking, that, that peace needs to be experienced in the heart like a pietist. If it's not experienced, what good is it? Ladies, do you want your husband to, ob to objectively say that they love you but not love you in their heart? You should say no. <laughs> no. Don't you want his heart? You don't? Yeah, you do. You want your husband to love you from his heart. You don't want there just to be a poster in his office saying, I love my wife. That doesn't count. She wants to experience your love, dude. Well, God's peace is that way. It's called peace. It's an emotion to be experienced. So I have contended since my first day of ministry to experience these things. It bothers me when I pray for people to be healed and they're not healed. That bothers me. I don't go, well, I guess that didn't work. Good, we'll try next time. I'm going like, God, does this thing work or not work? Does this work or does this, do the promises on prayer work or not work? Do the promises on peace work or not work? Does this whole following Jesus and you get this in your life, does that work or not work? Does this whole thing work or is it a book of aspirational doctrines that are not experientiated. You follow me? And I said, I don't want to live that kind of Christianity. Now, I will if I have to because I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but it's supposed, God is supposed to be experienced. Say that with me. God is supposed to be experienced. Listen, that's true. God is to be experienced. If you never experience his presence, you have a problem. You might say, well, I'm a thinker, not a feeler. I bet you're fun on a date. <laughs> well, can't you feel him a little bit in your thinking? I mean, can, what? If God walked in the room, would you feel him? Yeah. You don't need somebody to hand you a note. God's in the third row. Yep, he sure is in the third. Taller than I thought he'd be. <laughs> so we're contending. Existential peace. When I was diagnosed with cancer at age 47. Came out of the blue. Bear with me. Members of our church have heard my testimony. I'm going to do it in a bridged version. Had surgery. The cancer was caught early. Cancer-free seven years. I'm back to normal. Seven years later, cancer markers say something's not right. I get a blood test. Cancer's back. I have radiation. 
33 treatments of radiation. They tested me after radiation. Cancer was not affected at all. Then they gave me a bunch of drugs, good drugs, and uh, the drugs worked, miraculously worked. So because of the prayers of the saints, these drugs took my cancer marker and drove it down to undetectable. It stayed there a long time. The doctors are going, wow, I've never seen the drugs work like this, and I'm testifying from the platform, God has done a miracle. No, I never once said I wasn't on drugs. I never even intimated that. Matter of fact, I said just the opposite. I am on drugs. But miracles can be God causing drugs to work better than normal. That can be a miracle too, right? So I'm working, you know, and then, you know, I'm still in work here, and, then, and then, the, then, the, then the markers went up. I get a little nervous about that. Church prays, they go down. A year later, they went back up. The church prayed. They went back down. So markers go up. Church prays. It goes down. This is what's happening. All the while, I, I'm getting anxious. So I'm going to the oncologist every three months. I sit in this little room. Why do they put you in a little windowless room? You know, if they have claustrophobia, it's enough to drive you nuts. You're in this little room, no windows, and you're waiting for somebody to come in to your little room to give you a number. And that number, translated is you're going to live or die. It's your cancer marker. So you hear somebody walk by the room. That's not him. And you hear this. That's the nurse. <laughs> and you hear something like, somebody's lost control of their kid. <laughs> and then there's the knock at the door, and in comes the doctor. He might chit-chat for 30 seconds, and then he tells you your cancer marker. And if the cancer marker's low, you feel like a million dollars. Cancer marker's high. It's like uh, your mind stops working. So three years ago, my cancer marker started going up. And they threw the kitchen sink at me, man. They did change the, change the meds. They did this. They did that. And it's just coming up. Well, I know, I know cancer markers are exponential. They're not linear. So I know how to read a, a marker. And, but if you know what two markers are in a row, you can project the trajectory of growth, and you can predict the outcome. I don't recommend you learn how to do that because it just terrifies you. So I can do the math. My marker was this, now my marker was this, now my marker is this. Ticka, 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 ting, 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 ching, 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 ching. My life expectancy is this. And I began to get anxiety. And I. And it frustrated how, how I was actually embarrassed how fearful I could get. The only relief I ever had during those three years was in worship. And a good worship song, right? The fears do go away, but you can't sing all the time. You gotta go watch football a while too. So I have this Guilt about being afraid. The fear wasn't with me all the time. There were seasons where it was less, but it was there. It was down deep. It was, 
in the subterranean of my heart, this anxiety. I knew that anxiety because when I got saved, it was that anxiety that led me to Christ. And when I got saved, it was so glorious when that fear was taken away, that angst with God that was gone. Now it's kind of crept back, and I'm becoming one of those people I detested. Or I'm talking about peace, but push come to shove, I ain't got it. You with me? And then something happened. I had my Damascus experience. And I want to talk to the remaining 15 minutes with you about that. I, the sun came out. God took out the fear and he put in the peace. And it was so dramatic. For a moment, I thought I'd lost my mind. I thought that I, I've, 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 I've lost it. I've tripped out, man. And I quickly realized I hadn't. It was, I was still me. So I'm, when I meet with the oncologist, my blood pressure used to be 175, over about 95. That's pretty high. Now it was, last time it was 128 over 70. <laughs> the body doesn't lie. And I, and I fell asleep in the last infusion. You know, the infusion's just about, it's an hour and about over. And I go, could you just put a little bit more in me? I, I'm just, I just really need a little more sleep. That's a, that wasn't true. I mean, nobody wants more chemo. But I slept. The doctor said, Ann, how you doing? And I said, I'm living my best life. And when I said that to the doctor, I'm like here. And he's like here. He's standing, and I said, I'm living my best life. He, he jumped back. Well, not like that. That's kind of like a girl. He went like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> Jacob, I don't know why I'm looking over at you. I just need affirmation from a guy's guy. I think that's it. I said, living my best life. What does that mean? This peace that passes all understanding, this perfect peace, finally broke into the deepest levels of my anxiety and rooted it out. And now I was experiencing that which is promised to every believer. Jesus says this, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it, give I to you. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you the peace of scripture. I'm going to give you the peace of heaven. I'm going to give you the peace of the angels. Jesus says, I am going to give you the existential peace that I myself, as the second person of the Godhead, incarnate, that peace I had in me when I went to a cross for you, that same peace, that exact same peace, 100% of that exact same peace, I'm giving it to you, and nobody on the earth can give it to you. No other philosophy can give it to you. Your boyfriend can't give it to you. Your boss can't give it to you. Your doctor can't give it to you. Jesus, 
This is for me alone to give to you. And when that peace comes into you, you say, what can the world do to me? Take my job, I do not care. Take my future, I do not care. Whether you heal me or you don't heal me, I get married or I don't get married. Whether I have children or I don't have children, whether my dreams come true or my dreams don't come true. When you have the main thing, you don't need the other things. You're in a new place. Our world's falling apart. The Middle East could turn into World War III. The Bible says, in these days, the hearts of men will fail them for fear. And we just look at the future saying, our God is in control. I have a peace that CNN doesn't know about. I have a peace that Netanyahu does not know about. I have a peace with the heavenly prince of peace. And when things get as bad as they can get, he says, I've not destined you for wrath. I'm coming to get you. So I can sleep. The Bible says in these days, the love of many will grow cold. I say, I can love because I'm loved. I can love well because I'm loved well. Philippians chapter 4, we'll, we, 10 minutes. I wish I didn't have to rush off all the time, Melvin. I really would like to stay and give altar calls. Maybe one day. Philippians chapter 4. Follow along with me. He says, be anxious for nothing. You don't have to be anxious for anything. Now, a common kind of care is not in view here. This is a very powerful word. Mermenao, which means the dividing of the mind. It's, it's a kind of anxiety that crushes your mind. It torments you. It, it's a very, very strong emotion. Don't let that emotion be for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication... The word supplication means pray until the burden's transferred over to God. It may take you a day. It may take you a year. For me, it's taken years to finally get my fear of dying, death of cancer and leaving a wife, kids, to finally roll that over on him in an authentic way. I always tied a rope on it and pulled it back. Well, it's his now. What's the receipt? What's the receipt that God now has my cares? What's the receipt? It's his peace. He says, Dan, give me, give me all that stuff. Come on, give it to me. No, you're not really giving it to me. You're just talking about it. Give it to me. Come on, come on. I mean, really, come on, son. Come on, you, you got to. I mean, I'm serious, son. You got to really give it. No, you're playing a game with me. Somehow you think you're worrying is a, is a form of righteousness. Get away from that. Come on, you got to give it to me. So in your brokenness and in your fear and in your humanity with a little bit of faith, like the woman with a small vial of oil, you give God what you have. He goes, I got it. Finally, you got it. That's called supplication. And he says, okay, here's the receipt that I've got your burden. Here's your peace. 
See, here's, here's the truth of the matter. When God gave me his peace on this journey, now this might be tough to understand, but it is true. Whether God heals me or doesn't heal me, I mean, down the road here, my peace is the same. You say, Dan, are you serious? 90% of you are going to shake your head, that's right. But you, you're just gaming the system. Because in private, if something like that really happened, you got a phone call from the doctor, you're going to die in a month. You'd find stuff come out of your heart. Can I have a Kleenex, brother? You'd find stuff come out of your heart you didn't even know was there. But here's the truth of the matter. We can all have that peace. Thank you, Melvin. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. A peace that passes all understanding. Not your understanding. It's the people around you. Like, what? What? Your husband did what? You have this loss, this disappointment, what? You're going through a divorce and you have peace, what? You have a doctor's report. You fill the blank in with something in your life. It says, you can say, listen, I've, I've got a peace about it. Here, here's what I want to kind of get this the peace I'm talking about today is not a thing it's not like acquiring a thing the peace I'm talking to you today is a presence it's not, it's not a thing like I need to get peace in my heart you're making it like a thing it's, pre, it's a presence and it's the presence of Jesus think of this as almost like an equation the peace of God equals the presence of Jesus. When Jesus' presence is with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you've got a peace. You say, well, you know, how, how, how did the apostle Peter sleep on the night before the planned execution? Remember, the angel had to come wake him up. That dude had some peace. <laughs> he had some peace. How could Paul be shipwrecked and beaten with rods and put in front of wild animals? And the guy just kept trucking. He had some peace. He had some peace. A peace that passes all understanding. Do you want that peace today? The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, says... To you, my peace I want to give you today. Not as the world. Get your nose out of Instagram, TikTok. You're not going to get your peace there. You're not going to get your peace with the relationship with a guy or a girl. They're just breadcrumbs to lead you to the ultimate peace, which is 
Jesus himself. Now, you can't game the system. You can't say, I'm going to give God my life, and yet I'm still going to care about the world stuff. It doesn't work. Matter of fact, it says this in the parable, the sower and the seed. I'm just about done. i got two minutes. In the sower and the seed, the Bible says some seed fell on soil that was choked out by weeds. You all know, remember that? And when Jesus gave exclamation to what that meant, he said, that's where the word comes into hearts. And after hearing the word, the cares, it's the same word, Merimanazzo, it's the same word. Anxieties about the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. Which is saying this, God gives you a promise, right? It could be a promise on, there's 600 and some promises in the New Testament. It could be a promise and you're complaining with God that you're not getting that, that's not happening in your life. Well, in the sower of the seed is saying they got a promise but it was unfruitful because it got choked out with worry. <coughs> Every miracle has two steps. Before you get the miracle, listen to me. I mean this. Before you can get your miracle, you've got to take care of the fear. Before you can get the miracle, you've got to take care of the worry. Because the worry is choking out the answer to your promise. <coughs> so instead of focusing on getting your answer, focus on the worry. Because once you get the worry out of the way... The promise comes. Because in your good soil and the promise bears, you hear me now. So my battle of saying, Lord, are you going to heal me? 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 Heal me. As soon as I change my orientation, like that's not the real battle, getting healed. For me, the real battle was what? Worrying about that. Stewing about that. Being afraid about that. When God gave me his peace that whole thing changed the perspective I believe it more than I ever believed it before but, I, but my peace isn't conditioned on that result y'all follow me on that that's a principle take away that today don't focus on the answer to your prayers oh you have a wayward child I have one you have a wayward child. You can spend all of your time praying for the child. Why are you bringing him back? Why aren't you bringing him back? Why aren't you bringing him back? Stop that. Go over here and focus on the fear that he's not, she's not coming back. Get rid of that. Get rid of the fear. Don't let the fear dictate your prayer. The fear dictates your phone calls. The fear dictates your mental health. The fear dictates the family reunion. The fear dictates who the, is at Christmas. Fear. Just no, no, no. I'm not doing that. And the minute you stop doing that, then you can believe more effectively for the prayer to be answered.